0: What's up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country?
1: It's Phil Lindsey. Justin Simmons here.
2: This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Von Miller, and you're listening to The Neutral Zone.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining us here on The Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Delala.
0: Phil, thanks for having me.
1: Well, I don't know if that's how it really works. It's like we we're having each other, like we co-host.
0: Got it. Well, that's nice. Nice to be with you equally, mutually. Yeah. As Respec-
1: one, respectively.
0: Yeah. Two two R's one podcast.
1: Exactly, exactly. Eric, we've got a great show in store for NZ Nation today. Rich Gannon, the CBS color man, the former quarterback in this league.
0: A Raider, Phil. We got a Raider on the podcast.
1: Yes, I know. Tough to swallow here, but uh, he'll be in the booth for CBS this weekend. So I thought maybe we'd have him come on and uh, chat a little bit about the Broncos and Chargers. So very excited to bring that conversation to you. We'll, of course, have two truths, one lie. We'll have fill in the blank. And uh, we'll also uh, spend some time talking about Melvin Gordon facing his former team. It's the first time that we've talked heard from Melvin Gordon since he was arrested a couple of weeks ago uh, with a DUI. So uh, we'll... uh, Talk about what uh, he had to say and also uh, what to expect this Sunday from Gordon after uh, a tough outing against the uh, Chiefs. We'll just say it like that, Eric. It
0: was tough. It was tough.
1: It was a tough outing. And then uh, before we get into all of that, though, we, of course, want to talk about the Broncos' Q, RQ, Drew Locke, and uh, this head-to-head matchup between him and Justin Herbert. Uh, it's going to be uh, something interesting to uh, watch this Sunday, so uh, we'll dive into that a little bit. Of course, if uh, you want to be a part of the show, you can uh, leave a voicemail at seven zero seven neutral. We'll play a voice your voicemail right here on the show. Love having fans engage with this show, Erica. They can also leave a, an email too, right? Yeah, you can definitely leave an email as people tend to say about no. those things. I am a robot. You must leave email. Exactly.
0: NeutralZoneShow at gmail.com. Get them in. The podcast supervisor.
1: Send them over. The super we'll be- what? Supervisor. Got it. Got it. We'll be good to go. Yeah. We can read your email that you left right here on the show. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at Eric Dalala with an A, at Phil Milani with P H. Some odd spellings there, but uh, we go with the flow around here, Eric.
0: That's true. We just, we uh, take things as they come.
1: Well, let's flow right into uh, the quarterback matchup this Sunday, Eric. Drew Lock versus Justin Herbert, two young quarterbacks on the rise in this league. Going to be interesting to see how each of them uh, handles the pressure as the season goes on here. And for Drew Lock in particular, this is really the first time in his young career that he's facing some criticism.
0: Yeah, Phil. I mean, do you want to start with the matchup between the two guys or you want to, you want to focus on Drew first? Do you think?
1: Let's focus on Drew. Let's focus on Drew and then get
0: in. There's two elements to this, but yes, I mean, Drew played his worst game as a professional. I think you could say on uh, Sunday against the chiefs and he's, he's what Phil he's eight games into his professional career. and, And I do think we've kind of reached, a point where Drew's going to have to prove himself over the following 10 games of this season to show that he can be the, the future quarterback of this team. And that doesn't mean that there's going to be a definitive answer one way or another, you know, we might get to the end of the year and say, well, there was a, there was some good, there was some bad. He deserves another year. But I do think Phil, and we talked about this on Monday against the chiefs, there were, there was bad, but, not many flashes of good and he needs to continue to have those flashes of good in order for the Broncos to kind of be able to continue building behind him and Phil, you know, ideally a guy throws three touchdowns and no interceptions every week and goes on a run and is in the MVP race every year. But almost every quarterback is going to have a type of game like he did against the chiefs, one that you need to bounce back from. And I think we're going to find out a lot about Drew in terms of his mentality and how he's able to kind of put that behind him. So the only thing I'm worried about is he already said he was pressing against the chiefs. And if you, you know, if you're pressing in that situation and now you need to come out and get a win, is he in his head a little bit? I don't know.
1: Well, I would say the one thing that we definitely already know about drew is that he's a competitive young quarterback. The guy thrives on, you know, when push, you know, pushing himself, He's got that internal drive. And, you know, uh, I think that looking at that game a little bit closer, one of the things that has come up, and he's even been asked about this in the media, is when his first read isn't there, he's got a quick tendency to just pull that ball down and get out of the pocket. And he talked about that earlier this week. He said, hey, I got to trust my offensive line a little bit more. I got to be able to go through my progressions a little bit more. And, uh, you know, he was asked if, uh, you know, he felt like Pat Shermer was putting him in the best positions to succeed. There's been a lot of uh, critical talk about the play calling and why they have to go deep all the time and why they're this attacking offense. And uh, Drew said that he's got a great relationship with Pat that they sit down on Saturdays and go over all the different scenarios. And uh, he listens to Drew, you know, if he's got some feedback. And Drew just said, look, I got to do a better job of taking what the defense is giving me. Teams have been playing the deep ball more so recently against the Broncos. And I think you want that. You want to be able to do something well as an offense that forces the defense to adjust. And then you as an offense have to be able to adjust again. And to me, and we talked about this on Monday, Eric, that means getting the ball in your playmakers' hands when they're open. I know you said that Jerry Judy needs to do a better job of understanding the playbook and all that. But when you go back and look at the coach's film from that game, Judy was open a lot.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Phil, I think what was interesting, it's against the Patriots, they did go deep several times, and then they did take advantage of those underneath throws. You know, he found Alberto. A couple of times for good plays. He found Jerry Judy on some crossing routes that were underneath tight plays. He just, Drew didn't go to those guys often against the Chiefs on Sunday. So I, I just think that with any young quarterback, you expect struggles, you expect ups and downs. Um, guys having the success that Justin Herbert is having right now, and we'll get to him in a second, that's, that's the exception, not the rule. Um, but I do think you want to avoid seeing Drew stack negative games. Like this is essentially an extension of his rookie year because he still only played eight games. And so if there's a clunker every now and then, I think you have to accept that as part of the process. But if it Phil, if it starts being like this week is poor and the next week is poor, and here all of a sudden it's it's three or four games in a row where he's not completing passes and is struggling to lead the team to points that to me then becomes a larger concern about you know his ability to be the guy moving forward because that's what this you know fill with a win this weekend you're still you're still right in the hunt you're still in all these things but this year as much as anything is about can drew lock be the guy long term or are you back in the quarterback market next year or the year after and so um you don't want to ever overstate things too much in one game. And I tried to ask McFanju about that. I said, you know, how do you weigh having patience and knowing that he's going to take some time to develop and, you know, things aren't going to be perfect right away versus having to win. And Phil, he said, that's the struggle that you have as a coach. That's what coaching is. But uh, yeah, certainly all eyes are going to be on Drew this weekend.
1: Yeah. And I think you just want to see him improve and, learn from the the game, right? Hey, he talks about wanting to stay in the pocket a little bit longer, wanting to take what the defense is giving him. Let's just see that in this game, you know, and if he struggles, but he improves in that area, then that's a sign of development. Hey, he took, took in the coaching. He was able to adjust and he was able to uh, improve and move forward. And if that doesn't necessarily result in a win, I think you could live with that. You just say, Hey, look, There's a development here. But what's concerning is that if that doesn't happen and he just resorts back to the same things where he panics, he gets bad with his feet, he's overthrowing guys, underthrowing guys, his accuracy's off. Those are things then you start to wonder, okay, what's the what's the future here? And Eric, I, I guess I'm just sort of surprised to hear that from you because you've been the the biggest defender of let's not overreact. Let's just stick with the course. And this is just part of the process.
0: Well, that's what, I mean, I just did say that I said, let's not overreact to this weekend's game. and You can't put all that sort of pressure, but I'm saying.
1: A little bit of doubt starting to creep in. Well, you just need to see the
0: trend trend line go in the right direction. I mean, you look at a guy like Kyler Murray, when he was still close to eight starts into his career, he was posting a bunch of games with a 70 something quarterback rating and not a lot of touchdowns and getting sacked a bunch and, uh, I think in the middle of his season last year, he had four games with four out of five games, no touchdowns and an interception. You know, I mean, he wasn't spectacular. And now we see him obviously winning Offensive Player of the Week in the NFC. He's had a little more time, but I do think in addition to games like, um, you know, avoiding games like the Chiefs, we need to see every so often now, Drew start to show what he showed against the Texans, for example. You know, or what he did against New England, but complete those passes because they're it can't just be you. you can't build your future around a guy that's just going to flash on a few plays. Has to be more like here's a here's a game at a time where he's really impressive. And Phil, look, the Broncos' schedule to this point has been against teams. the The teams they've lost to Phil have been really good. You know, you could argue that the Chiefs, Titans, Steelers, and uh, Buccaneers are all I mean, certainly outside the Titans, those are all top five teams in the league. I would say the Titans are somewhere between that six to ten range. Personally, that's that's how I view it. The and Eric
1: Delilah power rankings. Exactly.
0: Love it. Um, you know, he now is going to get a chance to play some of the, you know, Chargers, Falcons, Dolphins. I mean, these are teams that are closer probably to the Broncos in general. So let's see how he does against some of these teams that are more you know, instead of fighting up a weight class, kind of closer to what the Broncos are at this point.
1: Well, and then, you know, even the Chargers have a really good defense. So, uh, but I agree with you, Eric, you got to see the guy that you eventually want him to become. He's got to show flashes of that over the course of a game, not just a play here or there, but like you said, like a breakout game, a game where It's like a sort of a screw you kind of game where, you know, he's been facing all this criticism and he just goes out there and balls out. You need to see that every once in a while to have a reminder of, oh, yeah, that's why we thought that this guy was going to be X, Y, Z, you know, and Eric, I think to me, that starts with taking positive plays when they're there. Not always feeling like you've got to hit a home run ball, but just get into a rhythm, get momentum going. And hey, I loved what he had to say about Jerry Judy this week. He said that in practice in the huddle, Judy's been a lot more vocal. He says that things need to get tighter. And uh, I love hearing that from a rookie. That's a lot of leadership right there. And uh, I think you saw some of the body language, Eric, against the Chiefs from some of these wideouts, outs, tight ends. They get frustrated when they're not getting the ball. They're not getting an opportunity to make a play. They're not getting the chance to impact the game in the way that they know they're capable of. And we even heard that from Noah Faint a couple of days after the game where you could still sense there's a lot of frustration there. And when you're open as a wide receiver and you don't get the ball, you get frustrated. And I think that as the quarterback it's your job to manage personalities on the team. It's your job to get the ball, the guys when they're open. And I think that that's all of those things go into play when you're the quarterback. And, you know, you want to see Drew be able to handle some of those things.
0: I mean, I I agree for the most part. And um, it'll be interesting to see how he compares to a guy like Justin Herbert, Phil, because those are, Two guys we know, or I guess maybe we don't know, but there were reports obviously before the Broncos drafted Drew that John Elway liked the type of player that Justin Herbert was. I'm sure Justin Herbert would have been on their radar had he decided to come out of college uh, in 2019. Obviously, he decided to stay another year at Oregon. Um, but just like Patrick Mahomes, how he's kind of the standard in the AFC West, Drew Locke and Justin Herbert are going to be compared for as long as they're in this division together together because they were drafted within a year of each other. And uh, I think Phil back in, gosh, I don't even remember when it was, maybe April before this year's draft, we talked with our friend, Daniel Jeremiah, and he had the exact same grade on Drew Locke that he had on Justin Herbert. And if I remember properly, I think he said, uh, Drew Locke's fundamentals were maybe a little bit worse than Justin Herbert, but that Justin Herbert wasn't as uh, likely to make the big play that Drew Locke made. Obviously, we've seen Justin Herbert make those plays in the NFL. He's been uh, really successful with the deep ball so far, and it should be a good matchup and, and fun to see those guys go back and forth.
1: Herbert has been almost like the anti-Drew Locke from last year, where Locke came in, started five games, went four and one, had some ups and downs, but uh, you know got the team to win Herbert has come in, started five games here. He's gone one and four, but he's played very well. You know, uh, 12 touchdowns, just three interceptions. He's able to make big plays with his legs. You know, we heard Bradley Chubb uh, be really complimentary of him him earlier this week. And, uh, you know, he's a big quarterback, big guy, strong arm. He can hang tough in the pocket. And, uh, you know... I do think that regardless of what anybody says, they're going to say, Oh, Drew's not on the field at the same time as Justin. So it's not like blah, 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 blah. No. When you've got a guy who's a young quarterback and up and coming and you're a young guy quarterback up and coming, you want to be the better quarterback in the game. And so if Herbert makes a big play, there's going to be pressure on Locke to make a big play. And I I want to see how that plays out. You know, I, the Chargers come in at two and four. The Broncos are at two and four. And, you know, you just want to see how this thing plays out with these two teams going head to head.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, we'll see what happens long term. I, I don't want to make it seem like we're giving up on Drew. Or I think we're just saying he needs to take a step forward here and show that this is not a trend. But, I mean, Justin Herbert is playing better than Drew Locke right now. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, uh, debatable Drew has thrown one touchdown this season and Phil before the year we, we sat and talked about how many games was Drew Lock going to throw more touchdowns than the opposing quarterback uh, so far zero I think if I'm
1: it has not gone according to plan I think definitely on the offensive side of the ball we knew that it was going to be a slow start but uh you know the offensive numbers you know so far through the six games They're, they're in the bottom five in a lot of different categories. And, you know, I think that's part of the reason why you see Vic Fangio talk to the media and say, we got to revamp this whole passing game. You know, we just got to change some things here and, you know, we'll see what that means against this chargers defense that, you know, has a lot of great pass rushers. They've got a good young linebacker, Kenneth Murray that Eric, Eric, you and I really like coming out of Oklahoma and, uh, you know, this is a strong defense.
0: It is. And, you know, Phil, I think Vic Fangio mentioned with Herbert, there's it's averaged above 30 points a game the last few weeks. That's what you want to see at some point in stretches for the Broncos, obviously, and for whatever reason that that hasn't worked. Phil, I don't, I don't know about you. I don't feel the – I don't want to use a too harsh a word here, but I don't feel the ineptitude on offense than I felt at some times last year. And mm. I realized that the the rankings are similar. And I think the Broncos are actually averaging slightly fewer points per game this year than they were through six games last year. Um, but I, I kind of like, I toss out the Tampa Bay game because it was, was with a backup quarterback. I look at the Chiefs game and I say, man, that was a really poor performance. But you look at a game like the Patriots, for example, And to me, I think last year, would that team have put together six scoring drives? You know, forget that they ended in field goals. I just am unsure that that would have happened. And so that's why there's, to me, it's like you're on the precipice here of scoring 24, 25, 28 points. I mean, to me, it feels closer than it did a year ago. Um,
1: I think, Eric, one of the things is that you see it when it's working, look good. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like when, uh, especially when it's a scripted place to start uh, some of these games, things are coming easily. Guys are open. The ball's moving down the field. The, you know, Schirmer is a veteran play caller and he has a good feel for these things. And, you know, uh, I think that when it works, it looks good. But they've just done a lot of things that have really plagued themselves. I mean... Yes, six scoring drives, but it's hard to ignore that they all ended in field goals. you know, like that's those are things that frustrate fans and make it so that at the end of the game, you need a fourth down stop to win it. And you know, the turnovers have really hurt the team. I mean, uh, this is something that the guys hadn't done a year ago, you know. So I think that if they clean those things up, I, I agree with you in, in a strange way, it's better this year.
0: No, I mean, I think some of that has to do with uh, the skilled players. I think overall are, are better, even though Corlin Sutton's out. There's been games where they've been missing pieces. Drew Locke has missed time. But, Phil, so I sort of wonder, because I don't know about you, I feel I feel confident that this is going to be a close game, but it's one that the Broncos can and should win. Um and I think there's a chance that in two weeks you look back and you, you say, Hey, that chiefs game was ugly, but it was, it was more of a blip on the radar in terms of this team being more competitive. And again, just to go back to the, the opponents they faced, they've had to play some really good teams here. And I get that eventually you want to be competitive and you want to win some of those games. And they were close against the Titans and the Steelers. Um, but to me, this is a team that should be able to to win games against teams that are similar to them or lesser to them. And that will keep you in the conversation. And then Phil, maybe that's as much as we should expect of a team with a young quarterback and, and young players on offense.
1: Yeah. And coming into the season, we knew that the chiefs were the overwhelming favorite to win the division. But after that, we, we thought that, okay, the chargers, Raiders and Broncos are all in a similar boat. All around the same level. Okay, well now you're going to face one of those teams and it's going to be, you know, last week a lot of people were saying, "Oh, is this a measuring stick game?" To me, this is more of a measuring stick game because it's like, let's see how you do against a team that's at a similar level to you. And in fact, with their records they're exactly the same. So, how how do you do when you're facing a team like that? And you know, we're, we're going to find out, you know, the Chargers last week faced a, a lesser team and took care of business handedly. We haven't really seen the Broncos do that.
0: Oh, no, they kind of did. I mean, that was a, a one point game in the fourth quarter. They What
1: was the final score though. What was that?
0: Well, I mean, I, I think it's, it was similar in some ways to the Broncos win over the jets. You know, there were times in that game where it was certainly not in the fourth quarter where the, the result was in question but yeah, Phil, last year, the Broncos went three and one against the Raiders and Chargers. I think in order to have a realistic chance at being in the the conversation at the end of the year, Phil, you probably got to go three and one against the Raiders and Chargers again, you know, at the very least. You've probably got to sweep the Chargers and you probably have to beat the Raiders at home. And, you know, ideally you'd, you'd sweep them too. But these, the next few weeks where you play them for the first time, is going to tell you, you know, just how close is this team? Because, Phil, you know, say they win the next couple with Drew Locke and he, and he looks decent. I think that's enough to say, and, and say so you still lose the Chiefs the next time you play him and you you struggle against maybe like the Saints or somebody like that, but but you're beating teams that are kind of in your weight class, for lack of a better word. I think that's enough to me to say that Drew deserves another year, but he's got to – be kind of help be the reason that you beat those teams. It, it all kind of goes back to him.
1: Yeah. And I think that you just don't want to be in a position where everything is in a constant state of change. You know, I you got to have some consistency to be successful in this league, you know, and that starts with coaching and then it starts with players. You know, you can't, you know, part of the reason why the last four or five years have felt so you know, messy is just that there's not been any chance to develop and grow and improve. You know, it's just a, a revolving door. And so at some point you have to say, okay, we feel like this guy's eventually going to get there and we just got to work through it. And I think that, you know, like you mentioned, a, a winning a couple of games here and there is going to definitely solidify that. And I internally, I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever. I mean, I, just like based off of my feel for what's going on inside the building versus what the chatter is outside the building uh, i don't think there's any actual discussion about this i mean they're all in on drew and they feel like he's eventually going to get this thing going in the right direction and you know when when sometimes when it rains it pours and that's what happened last week Let's see this kid's confidence get back up to where it needs to be. Let's see how he can handle things. Uh, you know, when there's been a lot of criticism against him this week, and you know, go out and 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 do it on the field. You know, one thing I told you, Eric, was you know when he ran in that ball against the chiefs and pointed, those are the kind of things that you love when you're winning. And then when you're losing, you're like, why did he do that? You know, we got to get back to the point where he's having fun out there. He's he's uh, being himself. He's, uh, he's, you know, rapping on the sidelines. He's pointing at guys. He's having fun. And they're winning.
0: Yeah. No, and I feel every loss in the NFL, especially when you're a rival, where you weren't competitive, feels like the end of the world. And if you win this weekend, no matter how bad that loss is, the truth of the matter is, is that you've won three of four. And no matter how bad the start is at zero and three, you've won three of four games, and that is the type of success you want to see and continue to to build on. And say so they say you then get a win over a a struggling Falcons team, you're at, you'd be at four out of five wins. I mean, you've got to keep some sort of big picture mentality. And and yes, Drew needs to play better, but it's not like the Broncos are zero and six right now. You know, like they've still. Done enough here to give themselves a a chance if they can win this weekend.
1: Eric, let me ask you this: Say if Drew Locke throws the ball thirty five times in a game, uh-huh. how many of those targets should go to Jerry Judy? Um, eight, seven. Got it. And how much for like Noah Fant? Uh, I would I'd ten. Yeah. That's what I, th- I agree with you. I think each of those guys should get about 10 targets a game and then whatever else is left can go to guys like Tim Patrick, Alberto, O, Deshaun Hamilton, KJ Hamler, you know, but those two guys in particular, Noah Fant and Jerry Judy need to be getting the bulk of the targets and they need to be a much bigger part of the offense because they're the playmakers. They're the stars. And they need to have the opportunity to become, to have a to, to have a factor in the game in the outcome of the game, you know. Those guys need the opportunities, and I I think if you give them the opportunities, you'll see what happens.
0: Well, I mean, in week one, Drew threw the ball thirty three times, so close to what you're saying. And Fant had six targets, and Judy had eight targets. So not not if far off.
1: Went much better.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, they scored. 14 points, so it didn't go
1: that much better. And then Judy had those drops in that game, it would have been much different if he had.
0: It just depends on what the the Broncos – like against the Patriots, Drew threw the ball just 24 times. And so, of course, you're not going to get the volume of targets that you want in that. And for whatever reason, again, I don't know if it's his – if it's their chemistry between Drew and Jerry Judy – but yeah, he he has not gone to him as often as maybe you would have expected, especially based on training camp, Phil, because in training camp, you throw him the ball all the time.
1: Yeah, and I think some guys you're just more comfortable with. And as a fan, like as just somebody who watch, who's watching the games, you say, gosh, he doesn't really throw it to Noah Fant all that much. But, you know, when Albert O comes in, he's throwing him the ball all the time. You know, it just feels that way. It feels like he's more comfortable throwing the ball to Albert O. And then, you know, you just can't help but wonder, like, hey, why isn't, why aren't these guys getting the ball?
0: Yeah. Well, with, and again, with Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy, it's a lot of these Tim Patrick catches have been on deep throws. And when he throws it up there, Tim goes and gets it. And I think that there have been, you know, I think of a, a couple of deep passes where, Jerry either did not make an attempt to to catch the ball. I think it was in Pittsburgh when uh, Jeff Driscoll threw him a deep pass, and I don't know mm-hmm. if the sun was in his eyes or something.
1: Yeah, seemed uncatchable, but maybe it was closer than you thought. Um,
0: you know, if you're if you're a quarterback and you say, "Hey, we've got a hit here. We need a big play, or, or there has to be a completion here," maybe Tim Patrick's just earned more of his trust so far, and I would I wouldn't imagine that's a long term issue. But I think that. Um, and maybe that changes with like, with what you said of Judy stepping up
1: and, um, Yeah. If I, if I were to just guess, those guys are going to get a lot of targets this week. I I just, I, if I were to just guess, I bet you each of those guys get around 10 targets. We'll check the tape Mm -hmm. afterward. Afterward, but Erica, a, a guy who knows a lot about quarterback play, rich Gannon, He's going to be in the booth for CBS on Sunday. I had a chance to uh, catch up with him a little bit and asked him about uh, what he thinks of Drew Locke's start to his sophomore season. Rich, uh, thanks for taking some time to chat with us here. Uh, I wanted to start out by saying, when you're getting ready for this game, what have you seen from Drew Locke on tape this season?
2: Well, you know, I think when you evaluate the quarterback, Phil, uh, you have to look at the whole picture. And I think if you just focus on the last couple of weeks, uh, I think you do yourself an injustice. I, I think, you know, when you look at last year, he had the injury, he missed a lot of practice time. Uh, you look at the offseason, there was virtually no offseason program to speak of. Uh, he had a new coordinator, didn't have the benefit of preseason games. We were there with you guys in Pittsburgh week two when he got hurt. And then he's on the shelf for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, you throw him back out there. And so that to me, it's hard to really say who he is just yet. You know what I mean? We haven't seen a full season of his work. Uh, I think there's a lot of qualities and and characteristics uh, that you like when you study him. But there are some things he needs to get cleaned up. I think if you go back and really look at him at Missouri, he was in the gun a lot. They never called plays in the huddle. He had a very, uh, let's be kind and say average offensive line in front of him. And so he was constantly getting pushed up inside in his face, and he was constantly running around and making plays. And I think he has a tendency when he gets a little rushed and a little pushed to, to immediately think about what he's done, which just comes natural to him, which is escape and make a play, as opposed to trust the protection, take the extra hitch, sit in there and get through the progressions rather than just look at number one and take off. I think that's an area where, as you talk with him, you talk with some of the coaches, it's an area where he has to continue to improve. I think we have a, a saying it's complete or incomplete based on your feet. Mm. And I think when his feet are good and he's got a good base and he's in rhythm, he's very accurate when he's not. And he's drifting and he feels the rush. That's where he can miss some throws. You look at the interception last week from Sorensen, at the, the pick six, you bring a blitz. He's, it's unblocked. He's not able to set his feet. He throws kind of fading away. Doesn't use the boundary enough. It gets picked and, and that's what happens. So, Um, I I think right now he's probably feeling some pressure. He's thrown four interceptions and no touchdowns in the last two games. Uh, Obviously, you guys have played some really good competition. I think this is a week that um, uh, will be uh, significant for him and for the football team in hopes that they can get things turned around.
1: As a young quarterback, how do you learn to get comfortable in the pocket?
2: It's a great question. You know, it's so easy to say, um, I'm going to sit in there. I'm going to trust the protection. I'm going to sit in with a tough jaw. And all of a sudden you keep getting hit in the face. It's easy for me to say, right, trust the protection, trust the protection. So but well, I think a lot of it has to do with understanding the protection, where you're vulnerable, what the issues are, who's, who's blocked, who's, who's unaccounted for, where my quick answer throws are. Um, I think a lot of that just comes with maturation, comes with experience. Uh, and I think that's a work in progress. The, the challenge that he had, and this is never a good thing, is when you go from, learning a system, learning all the terminology in year one. And then in year two, we take, we take the playbook and we take all the terminology and verbiage and we just toss it right out the window and we hand you something different. And that's a challenge, you know, for a young quarterback. And I think you're seeing some of that plus the time that he's missed, the practice time that he's missed dealing with the rotator cuff injury. So I think the important thing for this weekend, for me anyway, if I was coach, I want to get them off to a good start. I want to get them some confidence. I want to throw, I want to get some high completion percentage throws. I want them to feel good under center. I want to, you know, I want the ball to be come out quick. I want to make sure that Ingram and Boza are not a factor early. Let's make sure we address those guys. Let's make sure we, we handle them with the protection. Let's make sure the backs chip. Let's make sure that we start this game the right way with our young quarterback.
1: What do you think about, uh, these young quarterbacks in the league nowadays it it always seems like there's so much pressure to win right away. Whereas, you know, for a quarterback like yourself, it took a few years to, you know, learn about being in the league, you know, does it seem like to you that teams don't give their quarterbacks a chance to develop like that?
2: I think you're right, Phil. I, I think there's, I think we lack patience when it comes to that position. We draft them uh, a lot of times before they're ready. We We put them into a situation that it's not just whether the quarterback, the young quarterbacks ready is the team ready for a young quarterback, you know, and, and that's part of the issue too. You know, if we don't have it, we have a the Broncos are probably the youngest offense in football, you know, so young at, at quarterback and at running back and a tight end and a wide receiver. And so it's not just the quarterback that's making the mistakes. It's the guys around them. And, 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 you know, it takes all 11 to make it work. So but, yeah, I think we have a tendency to give up on people way too, way too soon. Um, we're, we're about uh, what have you done for me lately type of thing. I mean, the guy that's coming in, Justin Herbert, uh, he's the AFC rookie of the month, and he's played really well, and yet he's won one game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we can, we can say he throws for 300 yards every week, but he's only won once, you know, and I think five tries. So, um, you know, it's a process, and I think we, you got to be patient. I think Drew Locke has a chance to be a pretty solid player in this league but he's got to continue to trend in the right direction. And he's got to start taking better care of the football.
1: You mentioned Herbert there. What have you seen from that young quarterback? It seems like he's lighting the league on fire so far.
2: I think what really jumps out to you right away is the arm talent. I mean, this guy's got a very strong arm. You'll see play action on first and 10. Uh, he can throw the ball 75 yards, and make it look easy. There's not a, there's not an area of the field. That's a weakness for him when it, when it comes to throwing the football, uh he's got pretty good touch on the ball at times he can overthrow it and some of the crossing routes to the backs and receivers um he's got very good mobility for a quarterback that's six foot six 237 pounds I mean the guy can run and when he runs he's not looking to slide or get out of bounds I can promise you that so he's got some real toughness to him he's got great poise and composure uh you can tell the situation is not too big for him he was a three-time academic All-American uh, at Oregon. He's a smart guy. His brother is a first-year medical student at the University of Columbia, or Columbia University Medical School. So he, he's a bright guy. He's a biology major. You can tell that uh, very cerebral, uh, can pick things up quickly, uh, doesn't repeat mistakes. I think he's got a really bright future. Uh,
1: last one for you, Rich, here. you know, just what do you think about this matchup hitting in uh, both teams sitting at two four right now?
2: Yeah, I think getting off to a good start is going to be really important for whichever team. Uh, I think both teams need to have some success early, especially the Broncos. I, I think the the Chargers come in with a little bit more momentum right now, coming off of the win last week, uh, coming off of the fact that the quarterback has been a big story. he has been a big bright spot for them. Uh, they get Melvin Ingram back last week. Uh, he was a factor in that game. Uh, and so I think the Broncos have to be able to run the football to have some balance, uh the quarterback needs to get off to a good start and the protection if they if you don't hand handle 54 and 97 it's going to be a long day uh in for the Broncos you, it, that's the key I mean they've got two two edge brushers that can be very disruptive uh and the other thing is is you can't let the quarterback out of the pocket this kid is very dangerous uh Herbert when he gets outside the pocket th- th- those to me if you're just looking for the keys you better block you better block the edge versus chargers and you better keep the quarterback in the pocket where he belongs
1: all right well we're looking forward to it on Sunday Rich thanks uh, for spending some time with us
2: Bill, it's always a pleasure to be with you brother thanks
1: my thanks to uh, Rich Gannon for spending some time chatting with us Uh, you can see the video version of that a little bit later up on the Broncos YouTube page Uh, A lot of uh, good talk there about what to expect from this quarterback matchup on Sunday. Uh, Eric, I don't know about you, but how do you feel about playing uh, two truths and one lie? It could be nice. It seems like the the time's right for that. I think so. It just feels like maybe this is the, the part of the show where we could use some of that. Okay. Eric, number one, Bradley Chubb, has had a sack in three consecutive games. He has four and a half on the season. That's good for the second longest streak of his career. Okay. What do you think about that? Hmm. Eric, there's a lot of overlap with the Broncos and Chargers. A lot. There's, you know, Chris Harris Jr. obviously plays for the Chargers. You know, Melvin Gordon in Denver now but did you know that Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn played for the Broncos for eight seasons starting in 1993? Eight seasons for Anthony Lynn as a player in Denver. And finally, Eric, the Broncos swept the Chargers last season. They won both matchups to represent the 59th time in Broncos history that they've swept a division foe. 59 times they've swept a division foe. Wow.
0: That last one's a little too specific to not be true. And I would think during the Pete Manning era, they probably swept everybody several years. Probably, the, He probably got 12 sweeps out of uh, the four years he was here in Denver. I'll say that The brooms are out, the brooms are out. I'll say that one was true. Uh, I'm going to guess that three games in a row with a sack is probably tied for the longest streak of Bradley Chubb's career.
1: No, that was a, oh. that, that is the second uh, second longest streak of his career. Anthony Lynn only played five seasons in Denver. Classic. Um, That's a classic field. Five, five seasons. It did start in 1993, but uh, there was two stints, 93 to 94 and then 97 to 99. Eric. And then uh, he, of course, rejoined the team as an offensive assistant and a special teams coach in 2000. So
0: That's eight the first seasons
1: are a little different than five. It's
0: the first time you got me this year.
1: Yeah, that is. I'm a little disappointed. I'm sad. I made it till, uh, what is it, week eight? What day is it? It's week seven, I think. The Broncos are two and four and uh, oh, I guess they've had their bye week. Wow, yeah. okay. didn't feel like a bye week, you know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm a little off. This was supposed to be the Broncos' bye week. It's true. I had okay. all kinds of yeah. Halloween plans, but uh, pff, gone out the window. It's true. You're gonna dress up as a reputable journalist. Oh jeez, wow. You questioning my R skills? No, no. You would never. You would never. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Eric, we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks here, and we just mentioned it, though. Melvin Gordon, going back to faces, his old team, spent five years after being a first-round pick for the Chargers. What are you expecting to see from uh, the two-time Pro Bowler this week?
0: I mean, I think he's going to respond. It'll be interesting to see – what his role is, um, as we record this on a Wednesday. Philip Lindsay is still in concussion protocol. Vic Fangio said he probably wouldn't be cleared from that if he is. Th- that they won't really know. I guess is a better way to say it until Saturday. Um, but I, you know, after his two fumbles, including the flea flicker against the Chiefs, I think you have to wonder kind of what is his role. I do think he'll make the most out of however many carries he gets. Um, but it will be interesting to see. Does Philip Lindsay have an extended or more extensive role than he otherwise would?
1: Uh, Lindsay, when he's been on the field, has looked really explosive. Looked like uh, the better running back, quite fr- frankly. The problem is that he just can't stay out on the field. You know, uh, he keeps getting dinged up. We hope. I mean, the a concussion is not something you want to rush or anything like that. So. You got to make sure that he's uh, okay to go. But, Eric, you just can't help but wonder if you feel like Melvin Gordon's had just a a distracted season maybe so far. Uh, you know, I don't know how else to put it other than, you know, uh, the police sh- shooting in his hometown in Kenosha was obviously a, a very personal, um, you know, it was an emotional, you know, moment for him where – he talked in front of the team and everything. And, you know, uh, that was a big deal. And then uh, you follow that up with the DUI. He had a couple of weeks ago and you just can't help, but like wonder, you know, if he's just a little bit off, you know, he's not his usual self out there on the field. And, you know, you add in the fact that Philip Lindsay has been playing well, and there's this sort of this back and forth You know, you just wonder where he is mentally.
0: Yeah. I mean, he played well a couple of weeks ago against the Jets. I mean, I guess that's now almost a month ago. Um, But he, in some ways, was the reason they beat the Jets in New York. Um, He's been effective at times. I still think he's the better goal line option. I think he's a better short yardage option. Um, Arguably the better pass blocking option. I mean, he's... He's still a good player, and um, I think it still makes sense for him to probably still get the majority of the carries just because I think Phillip is better when he's fresh. We've talked about this a lot, that when Phillip tries to take on too much or when the coaches give him too much, he lacks that burst. And so um, I don't know if you see those 14-yarders and those 20-yarders like you saw against the Chiefs. If, If Phillip's out there carrying the ball 25 times a game all season, but yeah, I think Melvin needs to to turn things around. He uh, mentioned that he tends to get things going at this part of the season. And I think that, you know, with his body type, there's, it makes sense that as guys around the league start to get a little banged up, he's a powerful guy that can continue to run through him. But, Phil, you know, I do think there's a sense of he needs to – we're still waiting to see kind of like the Melvin Gordon that we expected to see. When he was signed this offseason,
1: We saw that against the jets where he's and runs out. He looks like he's stopped behind the line of scrimmage and then he gets free. You know, we saw that against the Steelers when he had that catch over the shoulder for a touchdown, you know, he has been producing. It's just, it hasn't been quite, you know, the fumbles, I guess, have just really taken away a lot from that. You know, the fumble against the Titans really hurt in the season opener. The two last week were just killers, you know,
0: uh, the second know. one was, the first it's one. A,
1: yeah, the first one, I guess, the Chiefs went three and out after that. But it does hurt confidence, momentum, whatever you want to say. Um, You know, you just wonder why a guy who's been in the league as long as him hasn't been able to, like, focus on this, get this corrected, you know. Yeah. No, It has I, been a knock on him for his whole career, essentially.
0: No, definitely. You know, I think – He explained it in part on Wednesday that he just so badly wants to make a play that there are times, you know, the one against the Titans is a little different, and I I don't love putting you in that situation to begin with, but the fumble against the the Chiefsville kind of came at the end of the play as he's like pushing for more yardage, and there's three guys around him, and some of that is what makes him a valuable player is that he can fight through those tackles.
1: Yeah, but it was third and 18. I mean, he wasn't going to get the first down.
0: Right. So he no mentioned. What. Right. So he mentioned on Wednesday he's got to know when to just kind of accept that he's got the yards he's going to get and not make it worse by fighting for it because it's when that third guy gets there or that fourth guy gets there that the ball tends to get ripped out. And so you know maybe there's a a conscious effort to that this weekend. Um, and you know he did rebound from the fumble against the Titans. Well, it's just even if it's something that happens once every five games, it's still a little too much, especially if it happens in critical moments.
1: And maybe this is the kind of weekend that he needs to just get out of that funk where he's facing his former team, you know, and he, you know, he had some contract disputes there where, you know, he held out at the beginning of last season, felt like he deserved a a new contract there, didn't get it, Ended up coming to a division rival. I mean, uh, this is definitely a game he had circled on the calendar when it when the schedule came out.
0: And it, you know, the Broncos swapped twenty fives essentially. Chris Harris went there. Melvin Gordon came here. Chris, from what we can tell, played well when he was healthy, but he's been out in LA, and so I think both teams are still kind of waiting to see the um, the impact they they thought they were going to get. Melvin probably is closer to it. Than Chris, I would say
1: most definitely. I mean, he's. I mean, he did even have a touchdown against the Chiefs. I mean, he's getting the ball in the end zone. It's just uh, some of the other little things just haven't quite gone his way. And you know, I do think some of that is when there's another running back, and you're not, you don't f- uh, feel empowered as the guy, and people aren't like saying you know, praising you all the time or whatever because there's this other guy there, there is a little bit of that, just sort of a dynamic that, you know, mentally it's hard to, uh, overcome that maybe. So see if, uh, this is the week that he does it. He said that he's already heard from some of his, uh, former teammates. You know, we know that he's very close with Melvin Ingram. So, uh, you got to imagine that he's, uh, out to, uh, right the wrongs and, uh, disprove the haters, if you will. Mm. Which is what I do pretty much on a daily basis.
0: You do. You do a nice job of that.
1: I got a lot of haters.
0: They're lining up.
1: Yeah. Get in line. I say, take a ticket. You know,
2: <laughs> like That's the deli
1: counter. next. It's like the deli counter exactly. Yeah. Eric, you got uh, a couple fill in the blanks for me here, or what's going on? Yeah, I think it's uh, about
0: that time. Fill so your first fill in the blank is uh, kind of looks back a little bit. Last weekend, the Broncos won the coin toss against the Chiefs. They chose to receive the football. Didn't go great. They went three and out, and then the Chiefs scored a touchdown. Um, the Broncos would obviously rebound, score another another touchdown to uh, get close to tying it up. We
1: all saw the game. We saw the game.
0: Eric. Well, what if you haven't? What if you don't remember? What if it was, you know,
1: just four days ago? I choose personally not to remember. Yeah. Well, so
0: I guess my fill in the blank is the Broncos win the toss this weekend. Your decision is to blank.
1: Mm. See, I I would say almost every scenario you would say, I want the ball in the second half. Mm -hmm. Because I think they're really good teams in the NFL. They make you pay in those final two minutes of the first half. And then when you get the ball back to start the second half, you could really swing a game like that. So I think the good teams in the NFL make you pay in those situations. And so I would say almost always you want the ball in the second half. Even if you're down, you want that ball in the second half, chance to get back into it. But I did understand Vic Fangio's thinking, you know, you're facing the Chiefs. There's a win situation there where you want the ball, you know, in your face, you want the wind in your favor. Uh, for a potential field goal at the end of the game, but in general, I I am fine with saying, give us the ball. We want to go out and score and set a tone here to start the game. This week against the Chargers, I don't think you need to do that. You say, go ahead, you take the ball. We rather have our defense come out and set the tone. And uh, I think that uh, this week, no matter what happens, I would uh, I would rather have the ball in the second half.
0: Do you think it sends a message, if you defer this week, that you admit that you made a mistake by and that you've lost confidence in the offense in any way?
1: No, I don't think so, because against the Chiefs, you you want to be able to say, you want to set a tone, say offensively, we're ready to go. We're ready to rock here. But like, I, think,
0: I, I think if you receive this weekend, and I agree in principle on the deferring, but, but I think if you were to say we're receiving this weekend, you kind of make the statement that, Hey, we've still got faith in this offense and that things are going to be different this week. And like, forget everything that happened. We're going to go start this game with a score.
1: I just think in this situation, you, the likelihood of the defense going out there and setting a tone is much more great, great. It's greater that, that you got a young quarterback on the road facing a really good Broncos defense. I'd rather have that be the start of the game than hey, let's see what happens with Drew out there. Phil,
0: this next fill-in-the-blank, a little more fun. Oh, I like that. I like that. Um, Bradley Chubb came off the field. Shelby Harris came off the field at different times during the game. Upset. Yelling. Grumpy, if you will. (laughs) Grumpy. Phil, which Bronco, or I guess fill-in-the-blank, Blank is the Bronco you would least want to yell at you for messing up.
1: Mm. See, in the past, I would probably I would have said like a Derek Wolf mm. or like an a keep to leave. Eat you. Yes. He would try to eat my children. <laughs> yeah. Um This year, the Broncos don't really have that kind of a personality where you're just like, God, I just don't want to. See see this person after a loss they they don't necessarily have that guy um i don't know that's a, that's a good question uh maybe uh alexander johnson because he could turn into that dino mm. that would be a little bit terrifying if he took off his helmet and just started growling and yelling like that right i'd be a little bit scared yeah you did that exactly. That sort of thing. Yeah. it'd be like Jurassic Park. Yeah, where you just you know maybe you I'd just be a porta potty. You stay still because they they can detect movement. And fear. fear. Yeah, but if you stay still and you don't move at all, maybe he won't even see me. That's possible. So, how about you, Eric?
0: Um, I'm gonna go a little bit uh, unconventional. I would say Justin Simmons. Not because, because um, you'd a- be like, like, hey,
1: what up, Jay Sim? One 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 nine. I'd be, he, like, I'd be like, chill out, dude. And no. then he wouldn't be having any of that. Yeah. Well, that, that would, that would rattle you.
0: That would in yeah. part because, um, you know, I don't think Justin would be the scariest guy to get yelled at by, but I think knowing that you like disappointed a guy like Justin Simmons, who, uh, you know, is was like, like you made Justin snap to the point where he's going to yell at you. Like such, he's cool. such a nice guy. And you 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 brought him to this point, you know. It's like when you disappoint your parents; it's uh, that's almost worse than being yelled at.
1: Yeah, for sure. I hear that. I hear so,
0: that. It'd be like if Demarius Thomas in the past yelled at you, you'd be like, "Oh, I let DT down." Like, I yeah, you feel would just bad feel bad. bad. Yeah,
1: yeah, it'd feel awful. That's true. Shelby, though, know, he's a fiery guy. He is. Maybe don't do that to the head coach.
0: <laughs> you, you would know. prefer like.
1: Like yeah. a coordinator or an assistant. If you need a vent, which is understandable, maybe do that uh, to the water cooler, mm. you know, something like that. That's what I would do. I yeah. oftentimes, I just have, you know, like objects on my desk here that I just scream at. Like
0: like back in the day, Phil, being yelled at by Peyton was probably the worst because be you awesome. know
1: you, you've like let him down. Correct. And he would yell a lot. <laughs> So. Right. Yeah. You, but, but the, his greatness, you didn't want to disappoint.
0: Exactly. You don't want to disappoint somebody like that. Somebody who just gets mad, like you get yelled at and you get over it. It's when you, you know, you've disappointed someone or you, you
1: haven't lived up to their
0: standard or their expectations yeah. that cuts you a little bit deep,
1: but a little different than the Simmons because Simmons is such a calm guy all the time. Peyton was intense all the time, but because of his greatness, you're just like, gosh, I really got to. I got to step my game up.
0: That's true. Is there anybody that would least scare you to be yelled at?
1: But you'd be able like, whatever,
0: dude.
1: Uh, I. I. I don't know Ben
0: Swanson probably.
1: Yeah, if Ben Swanson got upset. I, I'd be like, Sh- shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, who yeah. is this? Go draw something. <laughs>
0: Okay. Uh, your last fill in the blank fill. Phil. Okay. Okay. Uh, Philip Rivers, longtime Chargers quarterback, gone. Gonna miss that guy this week. Dusted. Blank will be your lasting impression of Philip Rivers.
1: Mm. See, I have two impressions of him. Early in his career, very hateable. Mm-hmm. You know, he was yelling all the time. He got into it with the Broncos but they were winning too. Like the Chargers were winning a lot of games. You sort of just hated the guy. But over the course of their career and the more you learned about him, I think you just learned to love his competitiveness, his fieriness. uh, My impression of him did a complete 180, where now I'm just like, I love this guy. Like he's always just... He wants to win so badly. He's kind of funny out there. He doesn't cuss or anything. He just kind of keeps it like, hey, nice hit. You know? Uh, And uh, the fact that the Broncos have had quite a bit of success against him now at the end of his career makes you just sort of be like, I like this guy. You know? I like Phillip Rivers. He's out there to win. And, uh, you know, I wish him success in uh, Indy now, which... You know, if you would have asked me that 10 years ago, I would have completely different answer.
0: He's, he's fun. He's cute. It's like a nice little story because he never won anything,
1: you know? Exactly. Like, he's yeah. just, he, you know, like he played that AFC championship game with a torn ACL, you know, like he's gutsy, you know, we
0: want, we want to see success for Philip, but I think you only want to see success for him because he hasn't had it. You know, yeah. he's like a, He reminds me of, and it's very different in terms of their career trajectory, but like, I don't think many people hate Andrew Luck because he didn't win anything. You know, if the Colts had like won a couple Super Bowls, I think you'd have people in New England or Denver who are like, man, I hate Andrew Luck. Like he kept us from winning a title, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He did that. Even the 2014 loss in the playoffs. I don't think people are like, man, I hate Andrew Luck for doing that to us. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like, uh, I think in about, hopefully, not this long, but 10, 15 years, when you look back at Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be like, that guy. that guy is just the worst. But people love Patrick Mahomes. Not not people in Denver, I don't
1: think. His head and shoulders commercial, actually pretty funny.
0: Yeah. Ugh. It's concerning. But, uh, but, I mean, would you rank, I guess, where would you rank Philip Rivers in terms of, the quarterbacks that, like, have been Denver's rivals. I mean, it's, he's got to be but, right there toward the top.
1: He was at the top for a long time.
0: Yeah. Is, is Mahomes already past him in terms of if you're ranking all-time Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, quarterbacks that
1: mm.
0: – I uh, Like, when you're like, who's the toughest quarterback that Brock ever faced? It's got to be Mahomes already,
1: I think. Part of what, what made Rivers so hated, though, was that he was – talking trash and he was like yelling and pointing and stuff
0: but Mahomes throws one-handed passes and or yeah. not one-handed passes no he's look pass, left-handed passes
1: he throws a lot of one-handed passes <laughs> like a lot a lot it's impressive <laughs> <laughs> but yes I you know I think Phil Rivers is just sort of like a character too like he wears those bolo ties he's got you know I don't even know how many kids he has now you know, and you talk <laughs> about him being in that van. Remember um, when he was in that van and he was just okay, driving back yeah. and forth?
0: Yeah. Well, I wonder if, too, like uh, the Broncos have had enough success against Rivers that you've seen him be frustrated. Yeah. We we really have haven't seen, seen Patrick Mahomes be frustrated, yeah. really against anybody because he's just one. So yeah. things get closer and you, like, beat him. Like, say the Broncos someday play the Chiefs in, like, a meaningful game or something odd like that and they beat Mahomes, it'd be interesting
1: to then see how he reacts. Yeah, because like, a as a sports fan, you like to see a person who has a lot of talent go through some of the struggle and then eventually get over that hump and win. You don't like it when it, a person just comes in and it's too easy for them. And they just, they just dominate it right off the bat. Hard to like that person unless they just, Unless they've got a great personality, which Mahomes seems like he does, so like it's just tough.
0: Big with the Muppets crowd,
1: I've heard. Yes, yes. His voice is a little bit Kermit-y. but his commercials his commercials are great. I am in it. Commercial apparently. i admit it. I'm in it. it. Yeah. Tough. I feel that's it for filling the
0: blank.
1: Excellent. Thank you very much, Eric. Good discussion there. I, uh, I think it's time for shout outs. Wow. That point already. That's yeah. Love it. I mean, is, is there anything else that we forget anything Eric? I don't think so.
0: No, I mean, I just want to just, sometimes I like to, to speak wisdom into the world. Yeah. Get
1: it off your chest.
0: I would just, uh, you know, I would just say that people need to, uh, Take a deep breath. It was a bad game against the Chiefs. Counts as one loss, no matter if you lose by ten, you lose by forty, you lose by one point. Tell me how to feel, Eric. <laughs> yeah, as a voice of the city of Denver. No, only kidding. I'm not that guy. I'm not even earned that. Yeah, no, no, you haven't earned. We all know that. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Someone no, you,
1: you don't even own a bar.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. In, these, in this economy, no way. <laughs> no, but I just think uh, the Broncos have done some good things in recent weeks. There's still reason to be encouraged. So we've long explained to people that if you're expecting the Broncos to be a top three team in the NFL and win the Super Bowl this year, you're probably uh, going to set yourself up for disappointment. But this has been all offseason and I think continues to be a team that can, you know, they're going to lose some games to really good teams. They're going to be in a lot of other games, and there's no reason they can't be competitive down the stretch. But I mean, just they're not at the level of the Chiefs right now. That's okay. It's a
1: process. You got to avoid the disaster. Yeah, that game was. Can't have that. You can lose, but you can't have the disaster. That's where I think people get concerned and grumpy.
0: You don't have to go home, Phil, but you cannot stay here. It's true. That's
1: true. Parting shots. Maybe we got to come up with like a title for that. You know, something where you just sort of. Uh, like a Rick of the week or something like that. Yeah. We need something like that. Yeah. Is that considered like a mansplaining where you just tell someone how to feel and like explain, explain, you just tell me like what I should be thinking. I don't think since you are also a man that it counts. Got it. But what if you're just speaking to NZ Nation? You know, you sort of mm. a mixed-time. NZ Nation, as we know? I don't know. Um,
0: yeah. You know, I mean, what what's like an op-ed column,
1: you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Maybe That's we true. call it like an op-eric. Op-eric. There you go. a peric
0: we'll, we'll workshop it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you got ideas, let us know. Yeah. And Ooh. if you want to shut my mouth. Let us know, <laughs> Eric. Shout out! Shout out to uh, Liz Manis, of course, of course. Winston. Winston, the dog that she adopted, rescue, I think,
0: slash adopted, same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In a Winston was in a dark place, and Liz, with the kindness in her heart, made sure to uh, to save him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but a good uh, opportunity here, as the temperature gets colder outside. Eric, to uh, all pet owners, make sure you bring your pets inside. You know, make sure that you uh, are taking care of uh, your wife. Animals
0: sleep inside these days. Is that correct? I'm allowed
1: to sleep inside. Yep. Temperature dropping. That's nice. Uh, Our dog, no problem with that. Uh, He's got like twenty beds and like uh, several blankets. So that's nice. As he should. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Phil, so, uh,
0: maybe shout out to those people who have been manning or who will man next week the polling stations. Obviously, free yes. votes. Um, we'll probably remind people again on Monday when this podcast comes out. But election day, uh, right around the corner, Phil. Obviously, in Colorado, we have a great, great system. And very uh,
1: easy to vote in Colorado. Yes. But as I'm, we know, people all over the country and the world are listening to this. So.
0: Right, and I believe, Phil, that uh, the Broncos facility, like every NFL facility next week, will be closed on election day. So uh,
1: yes. get out there, do your part. It's part of what uh, makes this democracy work is that everybody has a voice, make sure that it's heard. So get out the vote, Eric. Yeah, how many times were you gonna vote? Just the one time, Eric. Oh, perfect, that's I hard. don't think that voting jokes are very funny. Maybe we can take a vote on whether it was funny. (laughs) I have already voted, though. I think think, think you have. Yeah. Yeah. We like to...
2: We're ahead
0: of the curve.
1: Yes. Very easy to just fill out your ballot and put it in a drop box. Yes. That's true. But you hear stories in other states where you got to stand in line. You know, it's a long process, but it's worth it. That's true.
0: It's true. And we've seen... uh, some of the players kind of stand up for that cause and uh, I'm sure they'll continue to do so this week.
1: Yes, exactly. A lot on the line every election. And it seems like uh, with uh, the way things are going in this country, it's important that uh, just make sure your voice is heard, you know, however you want to vote, whatever side you're on, make sure that uh, your voice is heard. So, Agreed. All right, Eric. Well, uh, I think that is going to do it for us. Our thanks to Rich Gannon for uh, spending some time and chatting about this matchup uh, between the Broncos and Chargers coming up on Sunday. We'll be back on Monday with a full wrap-up and breakdown. Hopefully, we'll uh, have some voicemails from uh, NZ Nation. And as always, we'll hear from Broncos head coach Vic Fangio. Until then, for Eric Dalala, I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to the neutral, the neutral zone. zone.